Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 15 of the Screen Bucket Podcast. Yeah, it's a good one. We've it's, got lots to talk about. It's a waffly one. Waffling, waffling. We left, we left the waffle iron on. Yeah, we now have to do waffle irons for many hours in order to edit this. Mm, what? Uh, this is normally what happens, isn't it? Let's, why would we have waffle irons on to edit the <laughs> waffle irons? I don't know. It's very warm in this room. Yeah. Oh, I meant to say... Ah. But he's left the waffle iron on. That's why it's so warm. <laughs> That's, yeah. He brought it back. Well done. No worries. Pro. Yes. So, what did we talk about? Uh, well, we talked about um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That was the film we did. Do you remember? Ah, <laughs> oh, we, um, <laughs> we talked about... Um, Triple Frontier. We talked about Love, Death, and Robots. Love, Death, Robots. Yeah, we went into yeah Fear and Loathing. We that was our film of choice. Yep. Um, we had a good old Fort Schmort of Fortnite Schmort night. A long, and a whole fortnight of Fortnite yeah. Schmort night. Yes. <laughs> and we did many trailers. Did because many yes. trailers did come out. Many many trailers did come out. They're like lice mm. multiplying. We also talked a bit about the film work we did the other week. And how are we getting on with that? Yeah, and we also talked about seven monster sagas that have been yes. brought back to life. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. There's a lot coming out at the moment. Yeah. Lots. People were looking back and thinking, that's still worth money. Let's yeah. push it out of our what have we got? orifices. It's the, it's the phrase that all studio execs say, what have we got? Mm. Still, they will be owned by Disney to buy next week, so... Uh, yeah, it's true. Anyway, let's get straight into the show, shall we? Cool. Hoist the curtain, dim the lights, roll out the red carpet, and welcome your hosts, Adam and Rob, Screen Bucket! Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to... Oh, we haven't got a theme, have we? No. It's just standard screen bucket this time. Yeah, but it's a fun screen bucket. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, because we've done cool stuff. Yeah, in we In between have. now and the last episode. That's very true. And we've got some awesome films lined up to talk about. Yes, very good films. But first, how are you, Rob? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I feel like we never actually asked that. It's always a strange thing to just jump in. It's quite an antisocial sort of lecherous opening, isn't it? Lecherous opening, is it? Because I don't know, we just don't care about each other, we just crack on. I think it's quite nice that you ask me how I am. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> See, that's someone pointed this out to me. We say thank you too much. This country. This country. Oh, yeah, man, I say it all the time. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah, can I borrow five pounds? There you go. Thanks. <laughs> well, that's you meant to say thanks for that. No, no. You giving it, you'll say thanks. All oh, right. Because you're getting it, but the favour of t- like not having the five pound for a while. My theory is that if we aren't polite when we do something nice for other people, they might stab us in the face. Yeah, that does what happens, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's the centre of all Englishness is just the fear of being punched or stabbed in the face. Yes, definitely. So be nice. So be nice. Be polite. Don't cause arguments. Just Theresa like- May. Yeah. Look what you've done. No, Cameron, look what you've done. I didn't even mean to say that. That just came out of my mouth. Yeah, oh, jeez. It's everywhere, though. Every time you look at a screen, it's there, the B word. It is. And as 
you know, screen bucketeers, it's quite hard to avoid. Yeah, because we're about the screen. Yeah. That's why a whole new wave of Netflix subscribers, I imagine. Mm. Is that why people watch things? What do you mean? To avoid the real world. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. If you're, on tele- if you're watching normal TV, you can scroll onto anything. Imagine if you were scrolling through Netflix and then, like, you went to a panel and it just said Brexit. Ah, uh, that might, that will happen, though. Definitely. There's a... There'll be a news thing on Netflix, won't there? That... Oh, did you hear about the guy who's making the Brexit film? No. He's just been... No. He's just embezzled no. loads of money. No. <laughs> he himself is corrupted. Wow. Anyway... Yes, but we're not going to talk about it. No, that's enough of that word. We got the elephant out of the room. Right now, there's some sort of vote happening. I don't know what it is. Yeah, there's an, it's another one in a long line of votes. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, what are we talking about in this show? Okay, we have a plethora of things. Yes. Starting with, uh, we've got an in-depth film to talk about once more. This is your choice this time. It is. What did we go for? We went for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Ooh. Yes. Film I watched 10 years ago. I remember not knowing what to expect. And I was still very, very, very shocked. Yes. I think the last time I watched it was 10 years ago. It's certainly not a film full of faint-hearted. It's not (laughs) our usual kind of film not full of faint-hearted. It's traumatic in a different way. But we'll get into that. Yes, indeed. Uh, we've got film reviews are plenty. We've got Fisherman's Friends. Um, shout out to my brother Davin, who lives there. Nice. Ooh. I've sat in the pub that's in the film. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Um, also, Us. Ooh. The spiritual sequel, The Get Out. So that'll be good. You've seen Get Out, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Best Brilliant. film. Fantastic. But we've just been attacked by trailers. Yeah, we? God. It's been endless. Mm, lots of good ones and a few naff ones. Mm. Have you been watching anything in the past week? I've weeks? I've been watching Love, Death and Robots. It's very good, isn't it? I love Death and Robots. It's the best thing on Netflix. I'm sorry. Really? It's my... F- well, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. going to defend that. All right. Best thing on Netflix. It's brilliant. It's very ultra-violent, <laughs> ultra-sweary. Yeah. No. Ultra everything to the max. Yes. There's one episode that's like a Marilyn Manson video. Oh, yeah. I remember that one with the, <laughs> with the girl and who witnesses the, her own the, murder. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, I, I just absolutely, I'm a big fan of like anthology stuff anyway. Your Black Mirrors. Yes. Your Dimension 404s. Uh, and I like different styles of art as well. And this just combines everything I love into one thing. It's like it's made for me. Yeah, no, I, I did think that when I was watching it because then there's one episode there's like two monsters fighting each other then there's three robots going through a dystopian future everyone's dead and they're kind of like tour guides or they're just, just sort of reviewing the planet chat. Yeah, and yeah. the chat and then there's yeah the murdering one there's like a man who lives on a farm with his wife and then monsters That's... come through a portal yes and it's absolutely mind-blowing um I just there's one issue I have what well there's two well, there's three, actually, thinking about it. Um, one is the overuse of cats. There's, yeah, well, I've seen one cat episode so far. Right, you haven't, you haven't finished the whole thing. There are lots of cats. Right. And I don't like cats. They're rubbish. But Although the episode you've seen, that does confirm my theory about cats. 
Oh, they're going to take over. That they're going to end the world. Yeah, they're evil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They dominated the Egyptians. People, in the future, people are going to look back at our society and think we worship cats the same way the Egyptians did. My cat has already jumped forward a generation. He's evolved to the next stage of douchebag cat. Okay. He basically does two things now. He meows for food and then he goes... And then he comes and he meows again. Or he'll trick you. He'll meow at you, like, quite violently, quite abusively. Right. And then leave and then come back and do the violent meowing again. He intimidates you. He bullies you. And it's kind of reduced the people in the house into this kind of slave kind of... That's what they do, to man. his will. We have to do everything he says. Uh, Nick, who now does the video game reviews, as you will hear later, listeners, um, he... When I speak to him on the phone, he walks in. He always complains how much the cats smell. So, mate, that's just what cats do. They stink. Yeah. Ugh. Um. Anyway, off the point. Uh, issue two, overuse of the C word. Yes. I have no issue with the C word, but... Cats. Crikey, oh, blimey. Mm. There's a lot of C words in this, fil- in this uh, series. It's almost like they were given a list of how to be edgy I know what you mean because it becomes annoying there was a few Game of Thrones episodes where they kept using the C and then you're like yeah well it's lost its effect now and it kind of it feels it feels like it's there and it's yeah. deliberate and it takes you out of the story I love the C word I love it I love it but in moderation but it I love it because it's still effective and it's not going to be effective if you keep using it it yes. just comes across as trying too hard um, issue number three voice acting yeah, it's not throughout, but especially in the first episode, the episode that's supposed to hook you in. Hello, Gav. I've got <laughs> monsters in the back. Yeah, mate. Oh, he really drove me mad. That's, that's how we talk. Is it? That's how we talk, Governor. Ah, oh, it's lovely out here. I just walk in about. Oh dear, I've got nails that are actually blades. <laughs> oh, it drove me mad. I was like, oh, is this going to be the whole thing? It was like Overwatch. I don't know if you know Overwatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, anyway, what have you been watching? Uh, I watched a film called Triple Frontier, a film that has been in development hell for like 10 years. It's basically an army film where five former super cool army people reunite to steal a massive hoard of cash from a drug lord. But oh. it all goes wrong. Oh. So it's got Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam... Jarrett Gedlin, who I don't really recognise, and Pedro Pascal. Who's Charlie? Charlie Hunnam is the guy from uh, the... What's the one with the bikes? This, like, the Hells Angels TV show. Oh, oh, uh, Sons of... Sons of Anarchy. Or Narcos. No, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, and he was in, like... Uh, okay. Pacific Rim and stuff. Um, oh. But yeah, it's... It has its flaws, but in terms of cinematography, it is one of the best... Like, it's incredible. I don't know whereabouts in South America it's filmed. I think some of it's set in Guatemala. But there's genuinely, like, astounding, astounding scenery where you're like, I've never seen this in a film before. How did they find this? Mm. So, as an army film, it's not standard. It it looks different. Okay, that's interesting. Story's good. Characters are compelling. And it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you're you're just enjoying watching them pull off this mission. Right, okay. And a lot of tension. Yes, very good. I highly recommend it. You were telling me about it the other day, and it reminded me of Sicario, which you haven't seen. No. That's more police action in the same sort of setting. Now, these are two... This has kind of got... Like, it takes the good parts out of Expendables, where these guys have been dumped out of the army. Good parts of Expendables. Yeah. 
Well, there's, you know, they're... Charisma Tarfinter. <laughs> they're not making money anymore. You know, they're all poor, but they've all got this, this incredible ability to go and, like, kick ass. Mm. So so one of them rounds them up and says, come on, we're making minimum wage here. Why don't we just go and steal these millions and millions of dollars from this okay, drug yeah, lord yeah, and kill yeah. him as well? But, you know, things go wrong and it's very good and very much recommend it if you're into your war films. Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, that leads us nicely onto our first song. Cool. Yes, this is from uh, Triple Frontier. It is my favourite Metallica song. It is For Whom the Bell Tolls. Hollow Dell Media's Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. You have one message. Message one. Yeah, hi guys. Um, This is an unnamed movie producer. Uh, just, uh, just calling to let you know that we've asked the cast of Quaggers just to phone in and give you a little bit of feedback on on the shoot for the other week so uh so yes yeah, so i look forward to hearing those and i uh, i'm looking forward to getting that 20 quid back i lent you last week all right i see you later oh mademoiselle would you like to have a film discussion oh yes monsieur i'd love to have an in-depth film discussion with you like that do on screen bucket and that was Mama Told Me Not To Come by Free Dog Knight. Not Tom Jones, Rob. No, I thought it was Tom Jones. No. I just assumed. My brain told me. Three Dog Knight from the soundtrack of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Ooh. So why did you choose this film, Rob? Um, it's always, well, since I, I must have watched it about a decade ago, but since then it's had a place in my heart for, I don't know why, because it's funny, but it's also traumatic. It's also completely bizarre. Mm. It is quite literally a trip to watch. It, um, <laughs> yeah, it catches the senses, that's for sure. But yeah, um, it's also because it sort of it comes well. The author of the book is Hunter S. Thompson, who is one of my favourite writers. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Thompson was an American journalist and author, and he was founder of the Gonzo journalism movement. Gonzo journalism is a style that is written without claims of objectivity, often including the reporter as part of the story via a first-person narrative, which is kind of integral to Hunter S. Thompson's writing style. Familiar to anyone who knows um, John Ronson, who gets involved to the point where he actually tracked down the Illuminati of Alex Jones. Fun fact. Brilliant. Yeah, he's a hugely charismatic and controversial character, and he, you know, he took a a massive amount of drugs, often, all the way up until his death, I believe. Um, he had an amazing writing style, and his stances on American political movements were quite well known. Um, he was a big critic of Nixon. Uh, yeah, he lived to the age of 67. In 2005, he shot himself in the head, and I think he always planned to do that. He never wanted to be old. I think he sort of his philosophy was when his time was up, it was up. But yeah, right, okay. so very, very interesting character. <clears throat> Yes, and he he done wrote a book, didn't he? He did done wrote a book, which is, in essence, a true story of his uh, real experiences. In the book, he's called Raoul Duke, and he has a friend, doesn't he, who is based on uh, Hunter S. Thompson's real-life attorney, Oscar Zeta Acosta, who obviously accompanied him on this ridiculous journey. So where does the film open, Adam? <laughs> well, it opens in the Nevada desert, driving along. You've got, uh, I'm just going to call him Duke, because Raul is hard to too say. much of a mouthful. Uh, Duke and Donzo, they're speeding along in their red convertible car. Yep. In back country. Because they can't stop here. 
yes. They uh, so they're already tripping. They're already having a whale of a time. Um, yeah. And yeah, so we're gonna have to tread <laughs> carefully with this one. But we are. Yes. They're ba- they're under the influence of some stuff. And um, they run into a hitchhiker. They do. They run into a hitchhiker familiar to, with a familiar-looking face, doesn't he? And when they pick up the hitchhiker, it sort of signals the start of the journey. Yes. Because through him, we hear what they're planning to do. They explain to the hitchhiker in full detail that they're on the way to Vegas. Yes, to go to the Mint 400, a motorcycle race in the middle of the desert. They want to give it full coverage... They are hired by some unknown, unimportant uh, sort of news article agency. Yes. Um, it's completely irrelevant. All you need to care about is they are off on this journey. What? I don't want to pierce into the logic too much. Why would he bring his lawyer? Because Is it because he can? I guess, I guess. Because if you're a... If you're a journalist surely all you need is your identification and you're going to get into your hotel room you're going to get into your racing event you're going to get into whatever event you're made for i guess maybe he just doesn't want to go alone that makes sense doesn't it because the only i hadn't thought about that before the only advice that um dr gonzo ever gives him he starts off with as your attorney i advise you to yes insert buy a gun buy x amount of drugs (laughs) buy a large convertible it's funny we've talked about uh Big Lebowski before, and he's a very similar role to John Goodman. Oh, how so? In that he's just a sort of voice of anarchy. He is. <laughs> he's not helping, but he's always there to give advice when needed, I guess. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, so the hitchhiker quickly legs it when he realises that this is not going to be a fun or safe trip. No. Um, and we follow Duke and Gonzo on their, on their journey. Uh, so yes, the hitchhiker legs it off, and we followed the journey all the way to Vegas. Hmm. Where just before we get to Vegas, so they've got half an hour about to go and they need to dose up on whatever they need to dose up on. Oh, yes. And they do. And then they get to Vegas and it all starts to kick in when Duke and Gonzo are trying to check into their first hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where the Gilliam truly starts. Oh, yeah. Oh, we haven't even mentioned that. So this film's directed by Terry Gilliam. Oh, yeah. Off of the Monty Python. Uh, and you can you can tell. Yes, very so much. So he filled the boots of... Um, it's Martin Scorsese and then someone else, wasn't it? Yes. There were a few people who wanted to do this, but it fell to Gilliam, who rewrote the script over a weekend to match make the film match his style. I think he did it in four days. Is it four it? days? Yeah. And... It's hard to think of a time when it, he wasn't involved. No. It's so, it lives and breathes his style. Absolutely. Um, Johnny Depp, incidentally, is playing a role very familiar to anyone who's seen Ed Wood. He has that, uh, certainly early on anyway, he's got the curt, crisp voice. Right. This is bad country. Mm. It's, got, it's very 1950s almost. It's like he's leaning us into this adventure film. Oh, yeah. And then later on, it yeah, it, it boils down and breaks down a bit. It becomes a kind of irony, doesn't it? When it gets more and more depraved, but you've still got this crisp, smart, old-fashioned voice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, totally, yeah. Because Johnny Depp prepared for this film by following Hunter S. Thompson around. Mm. He even wears his clothes, his real clothes in the film, and the red convertible. Yes. Amazing, it's all genuine stuff. Amazing detail. Um 
so yeah, he lived and breathed this role, and so you do get that old worldy thing. Conzo. Well, I know Benicio del Toro. He spent three months eating donuts, didn't he? He gained <laughs> yeah, forty yeah. pounds for the role. He very much researched the man himself. Who, if you, this isn't any spoiler to the film, but one day he walked onto a boat and no, nobody ever saw him again. He was a larger than life character in real life. Right, apparently, okay. not exaggerated in any way, shape, or form, which is probably detriment to. I mean, that's quite disturbing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's not worth us breaking down the plot in too much detail because, generally speaking, the plot is two men go on a bender. Yeah. Where it becomes interesting are these short bursts of weirdness that happen. Absolutely. So, relatively early on, they go to the circus. Before they get to the circus and the hotel room turns into the goddamn reptile house. (laughs) Oh, man. Where are the golf shoes? <laughs> it's just absurdity. It really, really is. The the level of detail into the madness. So Terry Gilliam's always been good at dream and nightmare sequences. Mm. Um, Time Bandits in particular has a very spooky set of things. And that dives in here quite a lot. The chameleons, the guana things, just everywhere. You just see a tongue suddenly coming out and smashing into a cocktail glass. And as he turns up, he's just surrounded by these horrible lizards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he When they do get to the race that they're supposed to be covering, Duke becomes lost in the sand as if he's at war. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. That's brilliant. But before that, when he's in the hotel room and then the photographer comes to meet him, he's watching a Vietnam film on the TV. Yes, and yes. He looks up and the guy's... Dressed in full army music, like uniform, saying "Panzangers, huzzah!" <laughs> and I just yell. Well, and he sees the TV blur out into reality, and he doesn't know where the TV ends. He's trying to move it around. Oh. Yeah, it's um, that's the thing. As you pointed out earlier, uh, before recording, they never seem to have that good a time. <laughs> Whatever no. they're doing, they never. always seem to be having some sort of nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> awful, awful time. <laughs> yeah, um, again, made up. The imagery of uh, Terry Gilliam and stuff. So, like, when they're in this circus, they've got massive murals of screaming clowns either side. Uh, yeah. And you're like, oh. Um, it's all a bit bizarre. They also have the, the trapeze act, which is about a baby being born and having its umbilical <laughs> cord cut. That's so good. And then he gets to the next bit and they've got a bloody wolverine or a, giant, a wild <laughs> yeah. dog or something, which they're just swinging around. I love that. I really love that. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but things start to go wrong when Gonzo starts to twist and turn a bit. Mm. Um, it starts off where it's almost comedy scene. It feels a bit train spotting at this point. But he realises that Gonzo's gone too far and he's starting to react negatively. Yeah. Uh, and Duke starts to fear for his life, in fact. He does. What does he say? You can turn your back on a man, but you can never turn your back on a drug. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's definitely specifically Dr. Gonzo being yes. on these things, which is a problem because he's pulling knives on people. He's pulling guns on people. He's threatening people in lifts. Yes, yeah. Well, that's the bit. And but at this point, I was saying earlier that it's at this point, he didn't feel like a villain. He just felt like the foil. He felt like the complication. But at, what's, at one point, they separate, and Duke finds him again. And at that point, he's gone bad. Yes, he's gone to the dark side. Yes, he's gone way too far. 
he's gone beyond the spectrum of okay, that's um, that's just crazy, man. He's gone into that's wrong. Um, yes, and Duke doesn't react too negatively at first. He just tries to get through it and get to the next point and carry on. Yeah, but then it then it's too far, mm. uh, and we're running out of time now. So there's so much to talk about with this film. One thing that's definitely worth mentioning is the the political kind of. It's it's very much under the microscope of the classes of America, and because you see all these lonely souls in these places like casinos and hotel lobbies and stuff, just staring into their mm-hmm. glasses or speaking to a prostitute or whatever. Yeah, there's constant political raving. At one moment, he says, "Bazooko Circus is what the whole world would be doing on a Saturday night if the Nazis had won the war." Yes, which I thought was brilliant. But he also says he's looking around this casino full of you know, dead-end people, and he says, who are these people, these faces? They look like characters of used car salesmen from Dallas, still humping the American dream, which kind of paints a picture that he is the weirdo, and Dr. Gonzo is the weirdo, and it kind of creates an element of two sides. On the extreme of one side, you've got the policeman, when he goes into the convention, and you have all the police at the anti-drugs sort of convention, where you've got a stupid scientist talking about like really wrong facts about drugs. Mm-hmm. And then on the right hand side, <laughs> you know There's a moment when Johnny Depp looks at the camera during that that made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Oh it's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. He just looks mm. <laughs> No, I don't think this is true. They call it a roach because it looks like a yeah. cockroach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh but then on the flip side of that, you've got when he, he has a flashback to the sixties and in the scene actually Hunter S. Thompson has a guest appearance. But he goes into the bathroom and for whatever reason, which I won't go into, flee from the Red Hot Chili Peppers starts, <laughs> comes out of a bathroom and starts licking his, his the end of his jacket. The best bit about that is the is the bit after that, which again made me laugh out loud. Why? The guy walks in, doesn't he? Yeah, while that's, that's what happening. I mean. Yeah. The guy walks in, and then then they're saying, "We've ruined his life. He's going to spend the rest of his life thinking that if he walks into a bathroom again, he'll find someone doing that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. But he's, he didn't just say, he said, with any luck, his life was ruined. Right, right, right. Which is beautiful. And that kind of pinpoints the two sides. You've got this blind kind of money, anti-sort of weirdness side of clean-cut people who just want to go to their hotel and get the room that they paid for without the receptionist shouting at oh, them. Did you spot who that was, the, the receptionist? Yes. That was weird. I know, right? Chris Maloney, who now is best known as playing mad, mental, hard-nut characters. Yeah. He's playing a very effeminate sort of hotel receptionist, hotel receptionist. Yeah. and it's the it's chalk and cheese. It's so it's, it's insane. Yeah, um, yeah. So I take it you'll recommend *Fear I, and Loathing*. Yeah, it's an absolute classic, an absolute cult classic. It's I would argue that it's actually a masterpiece from a certain point of view, and I would heavily, 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 heavily recommend it. I agree. I would hasten to add that it is certainly not for everyone to the extent that 50% of people will hate it. You're right, yeah, yeah. Well, I I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put it that high up, I'll be honest. It is it is fun and it is quirky and it is insane. It is a, I would say it's like a nightmare, to be honest, more than anything else. Um, it's also, not only is it quite funny and quirky and strange and adventurous... It's got one of the darkest, most tense scenes. Oh god! Certainly, yeah. that Terry Gilliam's ever done. Yes, um, and it's quite—it's almost sickening how grim it is. Actually, um, it leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth. Really does. So for that factor, it, it does have everything there. 
Does it work for me? I'm not sure. It is good, though, and I would recommend it, but I wouldn't put it in the Hall of Fame, as it were. But there we go. Tis, tis in my Hall of Fame. I give it a tick. Well, tisn't in mine. Well, tis off. Well, tis to you, sir. Tis you too. Tis to you, sir. Screen bucket on no part FM. Beep boop. Hello, I'm Blake, I'm playing Dan in Coggers, and I am just about clean after a night of running through the woods, covered in blood and soup and all sorts. I think the smell has gone now, which is good, but if not, it doesn't matter, because I had a great time. Thanks a lot. Uncle Adam's film review, Fishman's Friends. Here, Dad and I found another song last night. What's that then? Nelson's Blood. Love song, is it? Four pints of lager, please. We've got Gasdale Bishop's Finger. Do we know where it's been? <laughs> no, but I've got a pretty good idea where he could stick it. We're on a stag <laughs> Would you mind backing up? My friend's only just passed this test. It's a one-way street. You're going to have to back up. Poor Tosser. What's a Tosser? I thought Ladies and gentlemen, we're the fishermen's friends. Oh, this is bloody talk. No, no, I want these guys to sign up the Duke Manager. What kind of music were they singing? The rock and roll of 1752. The bottom line is, you've got a unique sound. And we believe we can help you get it released by a major label. <laughs> Directed by Chris Foggin and written by Nick Moorcroft, Meg Leonard and Piers Ashworth. Fisherman's Friends is a biographical comedy drama film inspired by the real-life Fisherman's Friends, an ensemble of folk and sea shanty singing fishermen, lifeboatmen and coastguards who hit the headlines for a £1 million music deal with Universal Music in 2010. The film itself largely follows Danny, a cynical and perpetually single music exec, as he travels to Cornwall with his hotshot colleagues for arguably the most disappointing stag do ever committed to film. While there, the group visit Port Isaac, where Danny meet cutes with Olwyn, a single mother and self-proclaimed music geek, whose father, Jim, is the lead man of local a cappella shanty singing group, The Fisherman's Friends. Seeing The Fisherman's Friends perform, Danny's boss persuades him to get the band signed, promptly before driving away at speed and giggling under his breath. Heading for the village pub, Danny meets with the band but quickly runs afoul of the emetophobic fisherman and father of Alwyn, Jim. Learning that he will need to impress Jim to have any chance of signing a contract with the band, Danny sets out to impress him and Alwyn while he's there. But soon finds himself drawn to the community, opening his heart to the history and spirit of the Cornish people, ultimately testing his integrity and re-evaluating his priorities in life along the way. Oh, and he also manages to get the Fisherman's Friends a music deal for £1 million. And there's some sort of drama about the pub, but but who the hell cares at this point? Look, the script isn't exactly going to win any awards for originality. It's a by-the-numbers checklist of storytelling, but it doesn't ruin the film's overall charm and feel-good factor. It's a safe, cosy British comedy for all the family. James Purefoy is bandleader Jim absolutely steals the show although the supporting cast are pretty solid too Daniel Mays as Danny especially and his chemistry with Olwyn played by Tuppence Middleton which is 
possibly the most English name ever written, sells the otherwise crowbarred in love story pretty well. I'll be honest, part of the appeal of Fisherman's Friends is genuinely just the setting. Pot Isaac oozes charm and character, and frankly any excuse to see it on the big screen is a good one. This isn't a documentary by any stretch of the imagination, but Fisherman's Friends excels as a cosy comedy with the added bonus of having a load of sea shanties thrown in too. Interestingly, my nephew Edward has managed to track down one of the real-life Fisherman's Friends, Jean-Cleve, to ask him a few questions about the film. Did you enjoy going to the premiere? It was fantastic. As I took uh, my wife Caroline with me and we walked hand in hand down the red carpet down to the end and uh, down at the end of the red carpet there were lots of people with microphones and cameras asking us whether we uh, were happy that the film had been made and all the cameras were flashing off and everything and uh, it was just like you see on the TV. Mm. Were you involved in the film then? We were involved in the filming, um, all of us in The Fisherman's Friends, we all had um, parts as extras, in other words, little walk-on parts. So my friend Jeremy and I, our little bit was uh, a scene in the pub where there's a pub quiz and we were supposed to be pub quiz team members from Padstone and there was a big ginger man with a big ginger beard who was very angry in the scene and we'd come into the pub scene with him and uh, there was a little bit of a fight that started and we had to pretend that we were involved in that although we weren't really. Is there going to be an album from the film? There is an album from the film and it, the album's called Keep Hauling, and it's got all the films, all the songs from the film on there. And uh, we recorded those at St. Q Church, which is our favorite church in the, in the area, which is um, about five miles away, uh, maybe four miles away inland. And it's got really nice acoustics in there. So you can really hear yourself singing. And we recorded that album, oh, I, I guess eight months ago, and it's come out now. Where was James's moustache? James Purifoy's moustache. The actor James. Yeah. Did you think... I don't know if he was meant to be me. His voice was a bit like mine. It was very deep, wasn't it? Um, but he didn't look much like me, did he? For one thing, he had lots of hair, and I don't. But, uh, yeah, he's he had... Um, I think he had a beard and a moustache, didn't he? Beard and small moustache, I think. But the thing was, with the Fisherman's Friends in the film, none of them actually looked like any of the real Fisherman's Friends as people. It was just overall, they looked a bit like us, which was good, really. What's your favourite pasty? Oh, well, my favourite pasty is the one that my mum makes. And my mum, you know my mum, she's 90 now, Mrs Cleave. And uh, she makes lovely pasties. So they're properly traditional Cornish pasties with skirt beef, sliced potato, sliced swede and sliced onion with a nub of butter in there and plenty of white pepper and salt seasoning. What what are your plans for the summer? <laughs> well... My plans for the summer is, um, with the Fisherman's Friends, we've got quite a few festivals to go to. 
and we're getting asked to do more and more as time goes on now with the film being very popular because the film's doing very well and so people think uh thinking of asking us to festivals so we've got five to do at the minute in august so they're always good fun um but apart from that we'll be singing down by the harbour in port isaac every two weeks whenever it's a neap tide because on a spring tide, the tide comes in too far and there's not enough room for our audience then. So mm. we're going to do that. And the rest of the time, I'm going to spend in my shop, where we are now, making sure that uh, my shop is working properly and that the ladies that work for me are nice and happy, which they always are. And then I'm going to play as much golf as I possibly can. Thank you. Thank you, Edward. Is there another question you've thought of that you'd like to ask? Because you can if you like. Mm, no. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Good. Well done, nephew, and thanks, John, for the interview. I'm just a sweet screen bucket. Uh, the pub in Port Isaac, where much of the film takes place in Fisherman's Friends, I had one of the best nights out in that pub. Really, did you? Yeah. Uh, it was a. It's like in October or something. It was off tourist season. And me and my girlfriend at the time went down uh, and sat in the bar. And it was the messiest, weirdest night ever. Really? Yeah. Just crazy old men. Well, the fishermen were all there and they were all bored because there's no tourists around. Right. They weren't fishing because weather was bad, I guess. So they were just getting drunk. Fantastic. And they were just getting drunk. They were listening to... They put the jukebox on, Adam and the Ants. Fantastic. Singing... So just all these drunk fishermen singing, uh, you know, Prince Charming. It was the best. And the bass was so strong. The landlady was absolutely drunk. She was singing along. A girl came around and said that she just got a uni placement in London. And someone went, in London? Picked her up and threw her on the floor. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Where is this place? It was amazing. And we're like... This is brilliant. It's like the old West. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it, me there. It turned out it turned into a lock-in. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> we didn't realise. <laughs> when we tried to leave, they went, "Oh, oh, you leaving? Oh, oh, <laughs> undo the door." Oh no! No. Did he stay? Um, we ran out of money. <sighs> they, they don't do cash. They don't do card down there. Oh no, they don't. Good times. Anyway, what are we doing? Do you want to talk about some trailers? Uh, yeah, I, or we're doing Fortnite Schmort Night. We can Schmort, we can Schmort. I can Fortnite some Schmorts. Let's Fortnite some Schmorts. Alright then, so the Schmorts. Um, if you just give me a moment to dig out my Fortnite Schmort Night clipboard. Um, so, Very professional. I know, look at it. It's, uh, it's brown. Um, <laughs> it wasn't when he started. No, it wasn't. <laughs> oh dear. Cool, right. Um, I know there was a Star Wars one last time. Yeah, there's another Star Wars bit of news. So, Game of Thrones. Have you watched Game of Thrones? No, I haven't watched No, you haven't. No, I haven't watched Game of Thrones. No, I haven't watched Game of Thrones. Okay. David Benioff. Smaug and the Playboy Bunnies. Yeah. Stuart Lee. David Benioff. That was a new one, actually. Was it? Yeah, it was fresh out of my brain. Oh, well done. Stuart Lee it sounded was, very Stuart Lee. Stuart Lee was Bilbo and the uh, Spearmint Rhino. Oh, yes, there you go. <laughs> so, the, yeah, the Game of Thrones creators, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, are helming the Games next... Workshop on a stag night. Yeah, oh, can you imagine? You can't, because you haven't seen Game of Thrones. No, I can't. Oh, no, that's a lot. Is there a towel? Uh, the pint. This is live, guys, this is really happening. 
Adam has just at this moment spilt a pint of water on his sister's floor and now left me alone with you for the first time. Oh god, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Oh, he's come back. Get it, dab. So just put. Dabbing, he's, dabbing. he's dabbing, he's doing a foot dab. See? Melissa will be listening to this back, hearing about your spillage. No, she won't. No, she won't. She will never know. <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave it in. I'm going to leave it in. Sorry, you were saying? I was saying, Game of Thrones creators David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are doing uh, the next Star Wars film series. Or there's going to be two more trilogies, and I don't know if they're connected. Oh, film? Yeah. Oh, I know But this. you might know more about this than I do. Hmm. Their one is going to be set in the Old Republic. Oh, and there's going to be not a single mention of the name Skywalker. So, well, I'm interested now. Tell me about the Old Republic. What happens in the Old Republic? Um, well, there's been a. I think the Old Republic stuff kicked off with video games more than. Oh no, there was comic stuff. Basically, okay, so there's a whole expanded universe for Star Wars. There always has been since the first film. Um, and they delved into... There was a series called Tales from the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi? Um, of people discovering this sort of powers and stuff. And The thing with Star Wars is it's always been the same. There's sort right. of a problem with it. It's the most stagnated universe in, the, in sci-fi. It's always had ancient things. You're right, okay. So it, it's hard to tell where it's going to fall. Um... There's always wars happening. There's always the same sort of Sith and Jedi and light and dark. And soldiers and... Yeah. So that's the, that's the thing with a lot of the games, is they're very much aping off the original trilogy. Right. So you still have the ship freighter pilot, the smuggler, the, the Jedi hopeful. So hopefully they'll move away from that. I hope they would. I wouldn't count on it, but I, these guys know less stuff, honestly. They're, you know, Game of Thrones is well good. So I do, and maybe unless they're gonna make it like ancient Star Wars, like the Jedi and the Sith as knights, that'd be really cool. That's, I don't think they've ever done that. That would be really cool. There was once, there's one thing in uh, Spanish Universe that always would come up, and it was, uh, I can't remember what it was called now. There's like a planet, um, that was ruled by the dark side that they basically they shoved all the evil out of the cities and they built the cities up so they become this like Mesopotamian ancient Egypt sort of thing lots of monuments lots of big walls and big guns and stuff fighting off these dragons and they would uh, this sounds like it probably will be it and they um, would kick people out they kick out the baddies right and they would to be killed in the wastelands of the World of Dragons stuff. But then they survived, a lot of them survived, and would train the dragons and stuff. Wow. So yeah, the, that's really cool. In that particular story, it's implied that the people in the cities are the goodies. But of course, it twists round. Oh, wow. So the, the rebels are the ones who were kicked out, and the, the heroes are the ones who had to train the dragons to fight back against the oh, tyrannical that's regime. Really cool. So that might be an interesting setting. Yeah, I think you know, give yourself, give them, give us some breathing space from the, the constant lasers and. I think the best. And... Yeah, the best comparison would be Conan. Right. That's so if you imagine Conan with Star Wars lasers. Yeah, that would be wonderful. 
Yeah, that would be. That's what. Though I, I mean, that's one story that I remember. So, well, we will move on from Star Wars um, to some fantastic news. It will be somewhat old news to you guys now. Uh, Bill and Ted. Yeah. Confirmed by the men themselves. So uh, it's been officially given a summer release date for 2020 um, by Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Um, so yeah, we've got little more than a year to wait. They were very thankful to all the fans for being so patient because this has been so long in the waiting. Uh, is it? Has it been too long? I think they're still in the window that it's funny that it's been this long. But that window is about to shut. This will have to be the last thing. They can't do another thing after this. But honestly... Who's the audience? Stoners left over from the 90s. I guess. It's not going to be young people. They don't know who Bill and Ted is. But I imagine... I Because I would look back on comedy from the 80s, more obscure stuff like Cheech and Chong when I was sort of 18 or whatever. And I imagine people do look back on Bill and Ted. I don't think they do. Surely. I think people have forgotten Bill and Ted. Nah. Nah, because people know about Wayne's World still and stuff. I think that's in the but same sort do of level. they? Surely. Young people, do they know Bill and Ted? Do they know Wayne's World? I'd have to ask my nephews. I think pockets of them would. Pockets of them would. And the fact they're your nephews, it's a slight bias. But there's people I speak to at work who don't know Bill and Ted. Uh, and you f- would think they would. It's people in their 20s, not even... Uh, oh, that's a shame. I, but... think it's been, I think it's been mostly forgotten. And, it's, I, and I'm not saying that in any good way. I'm, I, I hate that. But I think it's just been too long. I, yeah, I don't know. It's not like Back to the Future that's been constant. I was hope that it coming out would make people go and revisit the old ones and discover it. Because the people, you know, kids will go online and they'll read about Bill and Ted. Who's Bill and Ted? I like Young Yeah, Reeves. that's true. I'm going to go back. Maybe pockets of little media students would be like, oh yeah, I want to get into this new... The thing is, of course, as well, I remember this coming out. When the first John Wick came out, well, the second John Wick came out. People like us and older would be saying, I can't believe, look how far he's come from Bill and Ted to the Matrix to this. But people who grew up with John Wick are going to be going, what? What's he done? Yeah, what? that's what he is. Because knowing him, he'd be, maybe have a little laugh about that. I guess so, I guess so. You know, he's accomplished a great deal and played some, well, more than, well, three iconic roles. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Anyway. Um, yeah, the, this is massive. Um, thank you for reminding me. Uh, Disney and Fox. The merging. <sighs> yeah. It's a bit terrifying. How much power do you want to give to one group of people? I don't know. It's kind of scary. In my head, Disney now own all media. Yeah. But that's not true, is it? They, well, their tentacles go further, but like... So before the merger, the mouse tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> Pluto, Pluto, I've got a fox. I got fox. Let's get Universal next time. Um. So That's last. America. <laughs> oh, Captain America. We got Fantastic Four, and we got the Ashman too. <laughs> oh, the alien queen was a Disney princess. <laughs> anyway, twenty-six percent they had the share on, and this is That's a, us sued. This is yeah. Well, this is us murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, Disney's share of the entire domestic box office, I assume that means America, was 26%. That's over a quarter. 9% belonged to 20th Century Fox, who were the fifth largest. So that 9.1% has now gone to Disney, so they're at around 35%, over a third. 
of the American domestic box office, I assume, they now have. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't include uh, the network TV channel news and sports programming, which is part of Fox Corp now. But Disney now does own Fox Searchlight, the cable channels FX and National Geographic, Fox's TV production company that owns The Simpsons. Disney own Evil Dead then? Yeah. Most of Hulu they now own. A library of classic films stretching back over 80 years. And now the rights to X-Men and Fantastic Four. Yes, right. Now, here's the thing. Why did they do this? It can't just be money. Did they do this just for the X-Men versus the Avengers? Because, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. Did or did they do this? Star Wars was always 20th Century Fox mm. and Lucas. Did they do this to shore up their Star Wars rights? Maybe. How would that work? Well, I'm wondering if I don't know the specifics here. There's only brainstorming it. I wonder if there was some sort of rights issue with the original trilogy, like DVDs or something. All oh, right. Because that was done by Fox. Oh, so now they can shove Disney in the front of it instead. Yeah. I wonder if it's claiming the history, the backlog of Star Wars. I, well, I hope not. Because I... Because uh. they've surely they've got enough money. And at what point is it a monopoly? At what point is this now illegal? I don't know, at what point do they... You know, because then in five years' time, what if they've got eyes on Universal or something? Or Warner Brothers? It seems that it way. It gets bigger and bigger and then it's just Disney. Yeah. Do you want to go to the cinema and watch a Disney? I'm just going <laughs> to. Do you go... want to go to the Disney to watch a film? Do you want to? <laughs> Do you want to go to the Disney to watch Disney on Disney? Yeah, yeah. I'm terrified, man. Well, go what? away. They will buy us now, just because they can, just in case. I don't like it. And they'll be allowed to. So yes, the Alien Queen is now a Disney princess. Yeah. Which was a joke five years ago. Now it's true. Now it's true. Oh god. Oh, so they own the Simpsons now, do they? Yeah. Well, I hope. Well, I hope they kill it. You can't kill the Simpsons. Oh. The, Kim- the Simpsons. They're like lice. Yeah, it's just a nuclear cockroach. That's... The Simpsons are the herpes of entertainment. Mm. Yeah. Symptomless. That's awful, isn't it? It is awful. Because the Simpsons used to be a triumphant, absolute like social commentary to the max. The... Great comedy. They lost all their talent. Yeah. That's the thing. It's just gone on too long. But there's, it's going on still, which means I'm sure that millions and millions of people still watch it. What? And Maybe. I, they must do. But those people are probably simpering idiots. Aren't they? <laughs> They're probably laughing at it. It's, it. it's really noticeable on Channel 4 when they play them on like Sunday afternoons or whatever. When they play the old ones mixed in with the new ones. Oh, really? Because you'll be going, oh, this is really, I love this episode. Oh, it's so quotable. Yeah, it's really, really funny. And then the next episode. And do you know what? I th- it's as if it um, had a messy night with Family Guy and then caught some of Family Guy's diseases. Well, there was a period before I stopped watching it completely where it was trying to do Family Guy. Really, it's really noticeable. Hmm. Oh, we, we, oh no, it would do the flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> How about those TV series? The TV. Oh. Let's let's talk about that. Oh. So Rob suddenly. Messaged me the other day with a digital spy article. Basically, there's a few TV series that we know about. We've mentioned Gremlins, that there's a new TV series on Shudder, which uh, is out, I think, by the time this show goes out. I haven't watched it yet. Um, 
but there's also a load of other TV shows that we didn't know about. Listeners of the show will know we're big into horror, though there is a bit of sci-fi in here as well. So yes, seven franchises that have been confirmed-ish to be coming out as TV series. Now, I mentioned Critters, so we'll skip over that one. Now, here's a funny old one. Gremlins. Yeah. Because they were talking about Gremlins 3 not long ago. It was always going to be animated, wasn't it? Or was it not? Me and Josh went to see Gremlins at the Prince Charles Cinema a while ago now. Right. With uh, Zach Gadigan, the lead actor, who basically confirmed there was going to be Gremlins 3. Live action. Live action, as was. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that seems to have gone a bit quiet now. Instead, an animated TV show. Which is interesting. And I can't stop picturing really crappy 90s animation for it in my head. Yeah, yeah. I can't see it being good animation, I don't know. I'm seeing it like, or or even 80s, like He-Man. Like really naff, like... I'm a good place to get its hands on it would be Cartoon Network. If you had a kind of cow and chicken vibe of Gremlins. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. But apparently it's a prequel. It's going to be following uh, Mr. Wing. Okay. Um, as a young man, basically having adventures with, with Gizmo. Okay. Prior to him selling it in the first film. All right, that's interesting. I like that. That is interesting. So it'd be set sort of maybe in the 1930s or something. <laughs> maybe he's going through Japan, accidentally creating gremlins. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Or like the San Francisco Chinatown underground or something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm not sold on it, but I'm interested. Hmm. Um, Resident Evil. So Netflix has got his mitts on it. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> this could either be, yuck, or it could be the best thing ever for me. I'm a massive Resident Evil fan. Me and Adam are both huge fans of Resident Evil 4 in particular. Yes. Um, If they get it. I'll buy the higher if, price. If this actually comes to be, and it looks like it is. Please base it on the games this time. Please don't make up some ridiculous story about a woman who gets cloned and then cloned loads of times and then she gets stuck in a city and then stuck in a desert and then there's a really bad Wesker and the effects are terrible. Some of it was good. Please have it so the first series is based in the mansion, the second series is set in the police station, etc, etc. We want to have the story of the games put onto the screen. I'm a bit worried about this detail. Uh, the plan is to extend, expand the Resident Evil oh, universe and deepen its existing no, mythology. No, 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 no. Um, yes, although it doesn't say it, but Resident Evil, I've got a vision in my head of it being like anime and never watching it because mm. of that. Because it's a very Japanese game, especially the first couple. Yeah. Um, well, did you see Degeneration and things like that as kind of CGI kind of um, animation? Uh, no, I don't think and I did. They were. One of the degeneration was better than the films. Okay, all right, that's interesting. Mm. They it had the same sort of graphics as the cutscenes of the later games. So just constantly watching that, which can be a bit jarring, but at the same time, it was a lot more Resident Evil than the films were. All right, okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It'll just be following Umbrella. Yeah. Anyway, Uh, okay. The Lost Boys. Yep. Uh, yeah. That would be fantastic as a TV series. Nice little taste of teen angst. Well, we're not, we don't, in terms of Supernatural, we have Sabrina, which was boring. I didn't like it. Um, There is that rumoured Buffy reboot. Yeah. Bluffy. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Which I would be interested to see, but at the same time, it doesn't need it. 
we don't have that kind of cool vampire world. No. Do you know what I mean? No, I do. So, so yeah. Buffy took off Lost Boys a lot with uh, vampires being leather, jacket wearing. Here's, here's the thing basically. now. I'm, we're like old in terms of what youth used to be, right? Mm. When I see something with like teenagers in now, I mean, my reaction is kind of. You oh. think you're so cool, don't you, with your new things that we don't get? I always forget you have that reaction. I do. I don't I hate it. But you really? It's there. Yeah. So the Lost Boys is going to be like modern kids. It's not going to be like the 80s. It's not going to be like Stranger Things. Well, why couldn't it be? That would be interesting if it was set in the 80s. I hope it would be. Because I don't know if they get out their Instagram and then they're doing selfies. and No, but they won't whatnot. be able to take pictures of it. That'd be funny. Yeah! It's great Instagrams. It's just backgrounds. Yeah. They can't take selfies. It's just, what? <laughs> Just the floor. Well, why are you just taking pictures of the floor? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, there is, of course, there is um, what we do in the shadows coming out. It's a TV series, isn't there? That's true. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we've actually got cast: uh, Tyler Posey. No idea. Uh, Keely Sanchez. Who? Medallion Rome. Oh my god, these names. Nah, I've heard of him. Never heard of him. Uh, Dakota Shapiro. Nah. Uh, Get rid of it, don't you? The Frog Brothers and Our Sisters by Chain. Changing things, the hate change. No, don't make them. The Blood Sucking Brady Bunch, they described it. Oh dear. Okay, well, let's move on. Oh, I'll let you have this one. Um, Child's Play. Child's Play. Child's Play that's currently being ruined by a reboot is getting a TV series. Yeah. Interesting. But <laughs> who's helming it? They've made a mess of this franchise. I did hear about this one a while ago. Um, who's doing it? Don Mancini. David Kirshner's producing. Right, yes. So here's the thing. This is a TV series based on the original series. So yeah, Don Mancini, uh, the original writer and director for most of it. And this is the huge thing. The most important thing. The voice. Yes. Did we work out how to say his name? Durif? Durif? Let's Durif. say that. Brad Durif coming back to do the character. I really hope this is a success. As a big middle finger up to the blooming film reboot. Um, although it's not going to be straight comedy like the last ones. Right. It's going to be more in tone to the first two movies. So Which slasher, supernatural... But story. they are still funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, massively. Uh, yeah, so anyway. But I'm looking forward to that one a lot. Um... Sci-Fi Network, hmm. big fan of Sci-Fi. They do some good stuff, good stuff that tends to be bought out by Netflix as well. So, uh, I don't care. Interview of a vampire next. Don't care. Interview of a vampire next. Next. What's wrong with Interview of a Vampire? I, think I haven't seen it. <sighs> don't care. <sighs> Tom Cruise is a vampire. I mean, yeah, but look at them. Oh, they just got stupid eyes. Okay, the big one. Not just one. The big two. The big two. Alien. Ugh. Possibly my favourite uh, sci-fi horror. Definitely my favourite sci-fi horror. Yeah, in fact. same here. Uh, one of my favourite sci-fis in general. They're doing two TV shows. Do you want to take the first one? Okay, so the first is based... Uh, well, this is based on a sources account. But a live-action remake is headed to Hulu with Ridley Scott. Ah. Uh. Yeah, exactly my reaction. He will be standing in as executive producer. Okay. Um, many would argue that he has not done 
good service to the franchise with the likes of um, Alien Covenant. No, he hasn't. In fact, one could say that he's ruined the franchise. Yeah, with an unnecessary backstory, silly redesigns, and a poor story. So, it's a reboot then. Is that what we're getting from this information? (laughs) We don't need a reboot! If it's anything like Prometheus... Oh, man. I mean, Alien Covenant got a lot right over Prometheus, I think. It got the setting right. It's the story and the characters that let it down. My biggest letdown by a mile was the use of CGI, overuse of CGI for the Xenomorph itself. It it takes all the fear out of anything. If you make a monster CGI, it's not scary anymore because you know you can't touch it. Also, it being a TV budget, it's going to be CGI. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But the second one's interesting. Um, The second one is a seven-episode digital series based on Alien Isolation. Mm. Hmm. You liked that game, didn't you? I love that game. Alien Isolation is, in equal parts, the most terrifying and exhilarating piece of video game thing. What? Video game... (laughs) video game ever it's amazing the joy of alien isolation is it's made to be as if it was done in the 70s hmm. it's made to be like the nostromo in the first film oh, that's what you want so you've got big buttons and crt monitors and corded phones and stuff it's designed with love yeah unlike yeah. prometheus which had holograms and lasers <sighs> so that's interesting there's not much information about this but it's the game is about Amanda Ripley, Ellen's uh, daughter, coming to see what where she went. Basically, trying to investigate. Where the disappearance did Ripley of have this child? Was she having? Did she have this child on Earth? And then yes, because in Aliens, do you remember? She finds out that her daughter's had a full life and oh, died. Yeah, of course, but she hasn't. But at this point, it's before then, right? Because that Ripley's in oh, stasis for like sixty right. years. Oh, okay. So yeah, so that. I'm really interested in that. Yes. I hope it's going to be live action. Uh, I would recommend to all fans that you don't try and get your hopes up too much because at least one of these will be crap. At least one of these will be made by Ridley Scott. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Which is the weirdest thing to say. Mm, this is the man who did Gladiator and Alien. This is also the man. Did you see his acceptance speech at the, uh, was it the Oscars or the BAFTAs a couple of years ago? He basically stood up, got the Lifetime Achievement Award, and stood up and complained about how no one respects his voice and how hard his life's been. You know, oh, mate. You know George Miller, mate. Anyway. You have one message. Message one. Hi, I'm Jodie. I play Rachel, and I had a great time yesterday being sprayed from head to toe in fake blood. I enjoyed it so much, actually, I'm not going to take it off. I think I'll just go to work like it tomorrow. Please, sir. What is it, boy? Please, can you sponsor us? What? You could sponsor a show on North Hearts FM that's made for the community, by the community. And let us keep making great content. We're a fledgling station, but one with over 10,000 listeners a month. And it keeps growing. And what's in it for me? Five adverts a day, sir. Plus, the world will get to see your branding at live events, online, and be proudly displayed 
alongside the show you choose to sponsor on all online content, plus on-air mentions and branding. It won't even be taken out of the shows on Listen Again, so your brand will be out there forever. Then how much is that going to cost me? Only £360 a year, sir. Or £30 a month if you just want to run adverts instead of a full sponsor. It isn't more? No, sir. Just head to northartsfm.com for more information or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook. This is brilliant. Show for sale. Show for sale. Hello, Scream Bucketeers. If you like supporting your favourite local radio station, North Hearts FM, you might as well make use of our fantastic wall. Basically, all you need to do is spend £50 and you can get your product, service or whatever message you want on the wall and promote. And support your radio station at the same time. Let's have a little clicky on one, shall we? Garden City Services, Plumbing and Heating Specialists. Garden City Services, Plumbing and Heating are proud to support North Hearts FM. Call 01462 678 913 now. It didn't say now, I added that in. Nick's Game Reviews, Devil May Cry 5. It has begun. I will show you your worst nightmares. I will give you despair and death. I first played Devil May Cry way back when I was 12 years old. 12. Ugh, so old. At the time, I remember saying to my brother, It's a stupid game, it doesn't make any sense, it's too hard, wah! So I didn't play another Devil May Cry game until last year, when I picked up Ninja Theory's DMC Devil May Cry, as it had come onto Xbox Game Pass. I'd heard many people raving about it and how it had relaunched the series in a fun and attractive way. And they were right! In contrast to the dark setting of the original series of games, the unnecessarily cheesy script and dramatically over-the-top set pieces, you had a game that was bright and colourful with a perfectly cheesy script and bombastically over-the-top set pieces. It took what people loved about the gameplay, which had always been the unique selling point for the series, stripped out all the unnecessary boring gump and replaced it with, well, fun. And on top of that, it had a script written by Alex Garland. I mean, what a perfect way to relaunch the series and bring in new fans. This is exactly how I want them to continue on. Yeah, I know, stupid hopeful thinking that game developers would do what I want. So Devil May Cry 5 came out last week, and it's back to the same old, same old. Except, there's... There is something about this one. It's like it has a new breath of fresh air running through. The visuals are massively improved. The gameplay is a lot more accessible. Less on the hard as nails and more on the we're going to help you look as awesome as possible fighting these demons. The story is still, well, it's Devil May Cry. There are three main characters. Dante, I remember him from the first one. Nero, short haired Dante. And this new character V, which... uh... 
It's like if Klaus from Umbrella Academy went really, really emo. V is the most interesting character in this game, brand new to the series, and he conjures mystical animals to do the fighting for him. It's not your traditional hack and slash character. Overall, Capcom have done it yet again continuing their run of releasing new games from old established series and somehow making them massively popular again even amongst new fans. First Monster Hunter World, then Resident Evil 2 Remake and now Devil May Cry 5. If you like Devil May Cry, you'll love this game. If you didn't like Devil May Cry before, give this one a go because you might like it now. Devil May Cry 5 is far from being a bad game. For me though, it's just not Ninja Theory. <laughs> So, 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 we made a film. We've made some of a film. We made some of a film. Yes. So last time we were on the eve of shooting and we were cripplingly nervous, weren't we? Yeah, really <laughs> nervous. Um, it was the first time we really got the crew together and actually shot at night. We were very conscious of time. Oh, and what about the trespassers? <laughs> yes. So, Saturday... Was shooting day, was shooting mm. night. We started quite early. Mm-hmm. And what was the plan? So uh, we got up, we convened at yours. Um, you, had, you and Josh had done some location scouting prior. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't convene at yours. We were there. Yes. Yeah, we had watched some horror movies the night before. Um, we quickly. Uh, Ruben arrived, our technical wizard. Yep. Um, and instantly we discovered we had a little sound problem. Yes. Well, we were conscious of it. As we recorded the show last time, but yeah. very quickly fixed it. Thank heavens. Yes, um, I went to Hitchin to find things like goggles to protect um, vulnerable eyes from slime and other sorts of supplies. And then we came back and we were getting ready for the actors to arrive. And then, well, we had one very eager young actor. Oh yeah, we got the early train. Like a good boy. Yes, like any any good boy should. Uh, so we got him. Yeah. Uh, Isabel arrived because she drove herself. Of course, all yes. All good, all good. And then we were waiting on the others. Mm. Who were due to arrive at... 4.30? No, because we were going to rehearse. It's going to be like three. 2, 3 o'clock. Three, yeah. um, and then we got a text message. Yes. There were trespassers on the line. Trespassing. On a train track. Yeah. On I, our train track. I don't know what's happening. So the actors got stuck, essentially. I do, I went on Twitter, looked up Trespass Train. Apparently, it was happening all over the shop. I don't know what was going on there. So people were complaining about something train related. I guess so. By holding up everyone's plans. By ruining our day. Yes. Um, but it's all good in the end. We got, so we got everyone together, got everyone in their costumes, everything fit. Yep. That was good. That was a good start. Very good. Um, we started putting together some costume. Um, and then, when all the runners arrived, we all shot off to the location. We did. Um, and you and Josh magnificently chose a location at the top of a massive... Well, it wasn't that <laughs> steep, but it was big. The top of a it massive was long. Hill. Yeah. It was long, but it was worth it. Great location. It looked proper woods. Yes. 
So um, you guys, uh, the runners had already got there with Josh and Ruben, started setting tents up and things like that. Yep. Then you arrived with the actors? I arrived with the actors because we were going to rehearse, but because we had lost two hours of time, mm. um, we made. The, I just made the call to just go on to location and start blocking the scenes out there. Um, and yeah, one thing, I was very impressed by the fact that the actors were completely prepared. Bearing in mind, the, the films we normally make... We've just finished the script before we start shooting. Yes. So we don't know the lines. And we're just making up ways to make clowns' hands move as, yeah, we, yeah, as we go. Exactly. But they knew everything about the thing. In fact, they were reminding me what they were doing. Really? Yeah, and I wrote and did all the story. I mean, not not to a huge degree, but it was eye-opening Yeah, how good it was. Working with professionals. Yeah, indeed, yeah. So meanwhile, while the uh, runners were all drastically putting up so we had two tents we had the film yep set basically and then we had a equipment tent yep hq tent and then um, we had a little mat to the right of that where josh was putting the finishing touches to the, one of the costumes yep yep and then we got him up a tree as well didn't we so yes the first thing we did uh so josh and reuben well josh went up a tree yes the ladder was taken away and that's where he stayed. And that's where he stayed. Um, with, with a 25 litre bucket of slime. Yep. Which must have been very heavy. So Reuben had rigged up some rope so they could pull it up to the branch. So just you'd hold it. Because they couldn't actually yeah. carry it up. It was, it um, was bad. And that's where Josh stayed for, he, he's told me, an hour. Ah, he's exaggerating. I think that's He's always exaggerating. What a liar. Yeah, I'll just leave him up there next time. Yeah, so while we were preparing the first shot, there he was, just above my head. And mm. <laughs> um, we have shared some pictures of that on uh, on our Twitter at Holodale Media, retweeted by Stream Bucket. Um, and yeah, the first major thing was just covering our actor Bailey with uh, with twenty five liters of purple slime, and he took it like an absolute champ. He really did. I mean, he was nervous at first. I wasn't. I didn't lie to him. I see. He said. This is going to be really cold, isn't it? And I said, yeah, it's hard, mate. It's going to be freezing. And I, and I just <laughs> said it without even thinking. And I thought, should I have said that? But he psyched himself up. He was jogging on the spot. And he ran up to his spot, looked up, sploosh. Brilliant. Do you know what? <laughs> he did say, because Josh poured a little bit out to right. see where it would land. So yeah. he would run up to it. Um, and the first thing he said was, that sounded heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It just landed. Uh, yeah. It didn't land with a splash. It landed with a fud. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. And then we just got everything done. Uh, we had a shooting schedule, mm. which you had painstakingly worked over. Each shot had so long to do and setting up time and stuff. Didn't make any... Yeah, it didn't. How'd it, how'd it go? Didn't. Uh, the time we were done, hours... Well, we, 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 we started behind schedule. We started two hours, was it? Um, over an hour. Okay. But then we ended way ahead, were it not for the rain. Well, this is the thing, yeah. So we were at least an hour behind because I had to do the rehearsals on location, what we were going to do before we even got there. Um, and then we just rushed through the shooting, I guess. Yeah. Because we were two hours ahead of schedule. Yeah. By the time we ended. So we were supposed to be going on until two in the morning um, and had prepped for that. Food and, and blankets and warm clothes and stuff. Um, we didn't need them in the end. Yeah. Come about ten o'clock, it's about these little drops of rain. 
I mean, okay, this might go away. Mm-hmm. I was down on you. <laughs> it did not. It did not. Spoilers, it did not. It was um, a weather... The weather gods decided to rob us of what will probably end up being another $300 quid. Yes. Thanks, God. Get, yeah, we're going to have to get the actors and the actresses back for one more, plus any necessary runners' <clears throat> travel costs. Yeah. So, yeah. It was all good. We got a few last bits. Thankfully... With the help of umbrellas and runners who were holding lights under the umbrellas mm. uh, and someone holding an umbrella above me with the camera, we managed to use the woods. Yeah. So we don't actually have to go back to the woods. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think part of the reason the shooting schedule, from, a, from an educational point of view, for people who are maybe planning their own film, the reason the shooting schedule didn't work as planned, I think because I was aware that we were behind... So I was doing all of the light movements and stuff, which I shouldn't right. really have been doing as director. No. Well, I'll be doing that next time. Um, but just like running over, grabbing the light, moving the light, moving that light, moving that light. Right. Shoot, 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 shoot. Light, 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 light. And yeah, because one of the runners com- commented saying, you were like, you wouldn't stop. <laughs> They've said that about me. But it's um, we had a lot of compliments, though. Bearing in mind it's our first professional shoot, we had a lot of people saying how professional it was. Yeah, well, that's always good to hear. I, I mean, think... it looked the part. The set looked the part. You had, you know, people walking around with booms and wires and then a costume department and a props tent. It was all, it was professional. Yeah. I think we've. I think myself, you and Josh all need to pat ourselves on the back because it wasn't one of us doing it. It was just a, a complete... Everyone was there. Everyone was doing their thing. Hmm. I mean, probably me less so, because I was just with the actors. No, you you were definitely doing the most. There was one halfway point where I got lost in the <laughs> in the schedule, and I was like, oh my God, what, 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 what? And then found myself again. But I was very proud of myself, because I got to play a shadow. <laughs> so I think I should be credited as an actor. I think you will be, yeah. Can I be called Shadow? Sh- Shadow Man. Yeah, I had to. We had to do an effect. I'm, I'm sure many of you have seen an effect in a film where someone's looking around and then a blur rushes past the screen, and you're like, "What was that? I oh, was that blur." Yeah, took mm. a few takes though, didn't it? Yeah, well, that wasn't that was Jodie's fault because she wasn't swinging the bat properly. It was, was, that, it? Was, was it? Yeah, definitely. Was it? Definitely. It, was it wasn't a... the Velociraptor lean that you were doing. <laughs> you got to do a Velociraptor lean, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so yeah, really, really pleased with how it went, and our runners were fantastic. Mm. The crew, I couldn't complain at all. Bear in mind, we had one drop out, yep. so we one down, and everyone just completely worked towards where we were supposed to be. Everyone seemed to get it, even though we hadn't really prepped them. Mm. Everyone was on it. Yeah, I just knew. And there was a really warm sense of accomplishment when we when we got back to your house and we went into your kitchen. We kicked off our really really muddy boots and then you know slicing open the chocolate cake and you're you're pouring rum and coke for everyone. Yeah. And it's like this is this is the reward. This yeah. is one of the many rewards of making a film, not counting the film itself. But you know <laughs> when you get those moments where you've come together as a team and actually achieved what you. There is a really giddy sense to it. It's like. Thinking of fear and loathing, it's like the mid part of a party when everyone's friendly. Yeah. It's like we skip straight to that, you know? Do you know, I think that doesn't always happen from what I've heard about film sets. No. No. Although I've done, I've been on shoots where everyone hugs at the end. Really? And you're like, why? (laughs) (laughs) 
but generally there's a very happy buzzy i think that's a sign of a good crew to be honest yeah um but yeah so i was really really pleased so we've got two more shoot dates now yeah. because of the rain <sighs> oh instantly yeah the rain so we we waited out for an hour then it went nah nah it's vodka and evil dead time yes which was a highlight of the evening, actually. <laughs> Watching Evil Dead 2 with the actors and... Just giving them like... a bit of education and what uh, what good horror is. I think they were at a good time as well. Yeah, definitely. Iz hadn't seen any of those sort of films and she was like... She said afterwards... She was laughing! She said afterwards that she thought she'd be, it would be really scary. Yeah. And it wasn't. No. It's not supposed to be. Um, so yeah, bring on the next date. Yes. I do feel like the worst is over now. I'm sort of now, I'm just... I'm cautiously optimistic. Good. Hmm. Oh, there's a lot to talk about next time as well. Oh, yeah. But we'll keep that secret for fun start. Anyway. Adam's Film Reviews. Us, 2019. Jason? Jason? Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me and I'll keep you safe. There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But y'all scared of a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Written and directed by Jordan Peele, Us introduces us to Adelaide Wilson, her husband Gabe and their two children, Zora and Jason. Together they're on their way to stay at Adelaide's family's beach house in Santa Cruz, a fact that fills Adelaide with dread. See, something happened in Santa Cruz way back in 1986 and whatever happened changed Adelaide forever. Bear with me, I'm going to try extremely hard not to give anything away that isn't already in the trailer because I sincerely think this film is worth watching and and the least you know about it going into the film, the better. What I can say is that Adelaide and her family are soon in the crosshairs of a group of mysterious red boiler suited figures that simply appear one evening on the driveway of the beach house. In a genuinely unnerving scene, Gabe leaves the house to confront the four shapes and tries to move them off the property but there's no reply. The four figures simply stand and watch. Suddenly they attack and we soon see that they are, in fact, perfect duplicates of Adelaide and her family. Kind of. Described as shadows, these beings are little more than animals except, that is, for Red, Adelaide's verbose and calculating alternative self. And they want only one thing. Revenge. What starts as a home invasion type movie becomes a fight for survival way beyond the beach house with the violence soon spreading like wildfire across America. And that is about all I can say. Us is... Us is something else. A love letter to the horror genre, it's easy to spot the influences in Peel's work. There's a particularly strong Hitchcock and Kubrick vibe with long stretches of tense, suspense-building scenes with the camera fixed on each character 
and some quite impressive sudden bursts of violence that were really satisfying to watch. I've read that Peel was disappointed that people didn't see the horror in his last film Get Out and decided to go full horror on us. I frankly felt us didn't quite deliver on what it promised. You've probably seen the posters describing it as a nightmare or existentially terrifying. I don't know. To me it felt more like a thriller exploring the depths of humanity and its relationship with class. I wouldn't call it a horror film. It's also funny, like really funny. Get Out had a handful of laughs, but Us quite seriously had me chuckling throughout the film. What Peel does really well is having full engaging characters and Us is no exception. The only trouble is, sassy comebacks, sidelong glances and quick paced timing, while great, only work to undermine the suspense that the rest of the film did so well. The main concept too is just bizarre. Us works best when it's zeroed in on Adelaide and I guess her family as well, but the deeper the rabbit hole went, the more questions I had. Ignore the background, there's a lot of fluff there. Us is a film that works best as an odd, quirky tale packed full of dark humour and sinister set pieces. But I doubt it's going to give you nightmares. Hi, I'm Isabel and I play Zara. Um, yesterday went really well, um, apart from the rain. <laughs> um, but yeah, it went really good. Um, a lot of slime, a lot of blood, um, cold. <laughs> but yeah, it was amazing. Well, there we are. There's a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, so we're a bit jumbled. Not yeah. jumbled, we're just stretched. Yes, apologies for the lack of features. I think that's something we need to... Uh adjust in the future yeah well we're features in ourselves we're fantastic features we have fantastic features <laughs> well i'm feeling like a water feature shortly mm, same. Mm. um yes so that was the show yeah we're gonna sort out some more interviews yep definitely in the future hope to get some games going but oh, for yeah. now please forgive us for our mind being on other things such as trailers trailers bombarded with trailers we've been hit hard with the trailers hit hard okay so where are we starting right we'll start with once upon a time in hollywood Ah-ha-ha. okay so torrential mr quintuan twan twain we mr <laughs> quentin tarantino yes um, it's his ninth movie of ten that he's said he's gonna do, he's gonna do. Is that right? okay so we can look forward to one more and he can put his feet up we can see that it's a black comedy, and it, like the trailer, I thought it looked quite light-hearted, which is funny considering what some of the subject matter will be. But it's starring Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, and it revolves around television actor Rick Dalton and his stunt double Cliff Booth. We know that the Manson murders are going to be involved in this. We know that Sharon Tate is being played by Margot Robbie. Uh, there's Al Pacino. There's Emil Hirsch. Yeah, so it wasn't what I expected. Not not in the slightest. I thought it would be heavily Manson Murders. The trailer implies it's a uh, Hail Caesar sort of environment. It's, it's yes. Hollywood. Yeah. Which obviously works in the title a lot more. Mm. But yeah, I was quite surprised. I was expecting this dark and twisted sort of trailer with a kind of inglorious bastards like vibe of cynicism 
I don't know. I, I didn't expect... There's more glitz and glamour than I thought would yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, interesting to see what's going to happen with that, I think. Absolutely. And here's a little fun fact. The dude who's playing Charles Manson, uh, his name is Damon Herriman, is also going to play Charles Manson in season two of Mindhunter. Did you see the first season of Mindhunter? No. It's incredibly good. Yeah. It's I like heard. sort of loosely based on how they kind of came up with the study of serial killers or kind of right. made it better cool. in like the 70s and 80s. I think, cool, cool. But yeah, um, that's that one. So yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that. Stranger Things. What do you think? Mm. What are you mumming about? Mm. That quick scene where it showed some bottoms in a gym. <laughs> well, that well actually, that's it feels like the 80s everyone thinks of. Yes. It feels less uh, cult 80s horror movies and more uh, neon and colour and light. Yeah. So that's interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. I it definitely seems, I think, because we've, Got similar complaints about the second series, the second season, being that it was just more of the same and it felt unnecessary a little yeah. bit. Didn't really seem to know what it was doing. It's shifted. I think we're on a different gear now. Yes. Things seem different. They all look really old, for one. It's like when they would have a two-year gap between Harry Potter films and all of a sudden all of them have entered puberty. Yeah, so yeah, it's what? true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm quite intrigued by it. I'm... I hope it goes in a very different direction. It's funny that both of us... So the the trailer was introduced by a mini trailer where Dustin comes home from summer camp and he's led out of his room by a horde of toy robots. Yes, yeah. And both of us, with completely different robots, went, I had that! Yeah. 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 Why did that... I know why that happened with me. I've got an older brother. I don't know where that robot came from. Charity shop. Probably. I loved him. I loved him. Um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, they all have jobs. What's that about? Yeah, so Steve's working at like a weird sailor-themed ice cream parlour. And he's still magnif- He's still brilliant. I love that it's yeah. um, July the 4th. It's Independence Day. They're, yeah. they're sticking with the holiday theme. Yeah. They've skipped Easter. You're a bit funny about people skipping Easter, aren't you? I don't think people should skip Easter. No. It's the important one. God, I thought I was the religious one. <laughs> it more chocolate in it. Ah, there we go. But, uh, yeah. Because I always wanted them to do Stranger Things where each season was a completely different weird thing. Yeah. I wanted I wanted the ne- maybe the next one, when they're 18, they should go to summer camp and meet a Jason Voorhees. You know. Well, I'm just picturing it as like wet, hot American summer <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued that it's different. Yeah, same, same. Um, we've got Toy Story 4, Revenge of the Fork. The tone of your voice says a lot. I, do you know what? I was I was kind of in a similar thing. I've never been like as big a Toy Story fan as everyone else seems to be. I do like it. Freeze really pleasantly surprised me. It had an absolutely mm. incredible ending, especially... With four, I'm kind of back in the do we need it territory. Obviously, everyone loves these characters so much, so I'm probably like, you know, on the losing side of that argument. But from what I saw from the trailer, it's more of oh, Woody gets lost. Woody has a sort of identity crisis where he thinks, should he be looking after one kid or can he entertain all these kids? And the tone's a bit different, though. I think because um, he meets up with Bo Peep, which is great. Who's now a sort of who's now like a. 
uh, a strong, empowered woman, which is completely not what her character was before. Yeah. Um, because she's sort of teamed up with all the lost toys. So it's almost like maybe he's turning his back on being a toy. Yeah. So it it is an interesting arc, possibly. Possibly. I'm I'm not massively how... sold on it either, to be honest. I like I I don't like the fork character already, but on the other hand, I like the idea that a toy doesn't have to be something that's manufactured. You can make a toy from anything. Oh yeah. When it comes to life, that's a nice touch. Uh, and I don't like that the toys are really kind of like you you know in three and in two. They would show you a toy and you're like, oh, wow, cool, I remember that or whatever. In 4, it's kind of, they've got like Chucky dolls, not Chucky dolls. The, oh, ventriloquist dummies. They've got ventriloquist stuff. dummies. Yeah, and, where does it stop? Yeah, I was thinking, but there's loads of other famous toys that they haven't really surely incorporated into it. Where's, I don't know. What Are all inanimate objects alive in the Toy Story universe? If, the if they're shaped kid, like a face. If the kid believes it's a toy, it's a toy. So statues are alive, are they? Yeah. And unable to move off their plimps. And they just live in a consciousness. Ooh. Screaming abode of eternity when all they can do is watch people walk past and they see have, the poo falling from pigeons. They have no mouth, but they must scream. Mm, always screaming. Especially when they're in public places and people are seeing them all the time. Ooh. Well, we've created a new hell. <laughs> John Wick 3. Tell me about that. So, I mean, there's not much to say in terms of developments from the first trailer. There's more action. As he's got, he's on a. The motorcycle scene was in the first trailer, um, but he's, there's more of what's his face, mentor man, who like sets all the other guys on him in the second one. I'm being really vague. He's killing things. He's shooting people. He's I'm doing swords. not interested. I don't think I am too much either. Do you know? The what I love about John Wick is the universe around him. I really don't like John Wick as a character. Oh, he's really? he's the I'm a hard man. Oh, oh I'd like respect him. me, teenage boys. Uh, Worship me. Nah, that's cool. But it doesn't have the it doesn't have the um, and you've got a a strutting woman who's the nemesis and all this stuff. It just feels really. Eh, it feels like it's the cliche and done it's not like polar that spun the whole thing on its head and did weird stuff true but polar was trying to be something very very bizarre wasn't it yeah that's why i love it it's like a cartoon well i just love keanu reeves and he'll always it'll always up up it for me just because it's him i guess but yeah I, i i agree with the fact that i didn't get wowed by the trailer I and like, I bet people are. That's the thing. I bet people are really like excited about it. Well, I don't know why. Good for them. Good no, for them. no, they must conform, conform. <sighs> Marvel Endgame. I thought well, I was I was halfway through it, and I was like, oh, I've clicked on one of those stupid fan-made trailers because <laughs> it had all of the yeah. They was using footage from Good Iron point. Man, from Captain America, from Thor, from the you know from the older films. Yeah, and I was thinking who's made this and wasted my two and a half minutes, and then they had bits of new footage in it, and I was like, okay, they're doing a, a sort of looking back thing. And I was like, all right, but that's good actually because Endgame is a film where you don't want to have any more spoilers. You, it's definitely I want it to be fresh. It definitely has the vibe of the end. Mm. Even though they show off some new suits and costumes and stuff, 
it definitely has a concluding vibe to it. Yeah, people are going to die in this film. Also, Thor and Captain Marvel, that's a team up. People have been talking about them on social media. Are they going to have a little... Well, I think I think Panky. I think all the other characters are basically meaningless because they're the two that are probably going to do everything. Oh, I thought you meant they were going to. What was it in that dating. trailer where he summons the hammer and she doesn't react? Yeah, she's just staring at him, and he goes, oh, "I like her. Yeah. I like her. I like her. Oh, she came from space. <laughs> I fell in love. I summoned my hammer. She didn't even flinch." Thanos didn't click her away. What a fool he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm That's gonna... the thing with these Marvel films. I'm going to watch I'm it. I'm going to watch the hell out of it. I'm yeah. very excited. Are you? Yeah. You liar. No, I am. <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> Amazing. What did you think of my play? It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's good. Oh, God. Is that all the trainers? Yeah, that's it. There were more, I'm sure, but... Were you more, you're sure? Were they poor? Were they poor? Were they Pub- at the door? Did they have jaws? Go on. More? Go on. Uh, did one have claws? Maybe. Go on. What else S- did they have? Saw. The movie Saw. Screen bucket on Nopat FM. Beep boop. Done. Hello. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was the show. Um, Don't clap your hands. What are we on the stage at some sort of corporate no, event? You, are caught, we? you caught me off guard. Hi, mate. guys. You caught. Uh, just uh, hoping to warm you all up, guys. You caught me off guard. Did I? You caught me off guard. We've had the waffle iron on for too long, and I sweaty. The, the waffles are burnt, and we now have to end the show. Syrups all over the floor. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy the show, Adam? Yeah. Felt it happened. It happened. We, I think, we just started talking, just didn't stop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Onwards and upwards. God, yeah, we need more than this. No, we do. Ha. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm excited about. Uh, we meant to. I was meant to mention the song as well. Motley Crue, The Dirt. It comes out tomorrow as we record. By the time people listen to it. People would have already watched it. What? Is this some sort of music show now? Look, you asked me to talk about something. It's film related. Is it's it? It's exciting. It's the film with the dirt. Oh. Yeah. Oh, the film's out. The film. Oh, the film's out. The film out. I've been talking about for the past four months <laughs> is out tomorrow at time of recording. Oh, right. When are you going to see it? Saturday. <laughs> after we've done the stupid tent stuff and had our meeting. I'm going to go home, All right. I'm going to watch the dirt, Okay. and then I'm going to start editing this monstrosity. <laughs> this might be the first time we've ever gone over two hours yeah. of just conversation. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot to talk about. There was a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. Please send any comments, thoughts, or sort of vague complaints to at screen underscore bucket on Twitter, or at northheartsfm on Instagram and Twitter as well. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. End it. End it. End it. Ended. <laughs>